wherever you're listening from, we pray this message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you that we could come into this place. I thank you, Father, that um, yeah, we have the privilege to come and worship you freely in this country. May we not take that for granted, Father, especially with the light of things that are happening around the world at the moment. And we just pray, Father, for your um, mercy, your comfort, and your peace to be on believers in those countries, Father, that face persecution. I thank you, Father, that we can, as I said, come here freely. And I just pray right now that you would open our hearts to receive from you, Father. Open our spirits to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So great to have an opportunity to share with you this morning. Who's ready to hear from God's word today? Cool. A few weeks back, Jimmy Washer shared an awesome word on walking out of worry. Who remembers that? And I was just reflecting this morning, thinking about what was the key for that? (laughs) Um, But one of the things that I know stood out for me was um, that to seek God in that place of intimacy um, and then entrusting him, we can walk out of worry. And I'll grab the clicker off you if I can, Wes. <laughs> Which one are we? That one? Cool. Yeah, so what I wanted to share with you about this morning after Jimmy was sharing out of walking out of worry is what are we, what are we walking into? Walking out of worry. This morning I wanted to share with you about Stepping into freedom. Step into freedom. And that abundant life that Christ promises us. It fits really well into the theme we've been looking at over the past few months, which is time to move. As God prepares us, we need to step into greater levels of freedom to follow his leading. I believe it's really a message from God's heart to us this morning is he needs us to be ready and he desires us to be available for what he wants us to do. I say that again, he needs us to be ready, so that's individually and as a church, and he desires us to be available to do what he wants to do. Firstly, in us, to prepare us, and secondly, through us, to draw other people to him. So let's just jump into this, hey? I want to read out some encouraging verses. I know we've already heard some scripture this morning, but from Psalm 119. It's not going to come up on the screen, so, and it's just a few excerpts from Psalm 119. But if you want, go and read the whole Psalm. After church, it's pretty long, so we won't go through all of that this morning. But there's so many great um, words in the Psalms. And I I love it where he, um, David obviously writes most of them, but he talks a lot about the word of God and the truth of God. He says here, I'm just reading from um, Psalm 119 verse 89. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness. It continues through generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished. 
Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than teachers, for I meditate on your words. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I've kept my feet from every evil path. I have not departed from your laws. But your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, and I've taken an oath and confirmed it. I will follow your laws. Your statutes, O Lord, are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So there's a whole lot more there in Psalm 119. That was just verses I picked out. But when we look at stepping into freedom, when we look at Scripture, we need to do more than just read it, right? Do we agree? We need to apply it to our lives for it to become alive in us. We need to read it with understanding that there are biblical principles and truths which, if followed, will transform our lives. So we can't just go taking a verse from here and a verse from over there and read it and go, no, and then wonder why we don't see the full picture. It would be a bit like getting a few pieces of a puzzle. And I brought a puzzle this morning. It, al- it already had a few, has a few pieces missing, so that's frustrating if you like puzzles. Who likes puzzles? I really don't like doing puzzles. It's, it's, a, it's a patience thing, maybe. God hasn't graced me to do it. I go through puzzles, and I, like, you get to the sky, right? And it's like, blue sky. It's like, okay, so where does that fit in the blue sky? I just find it really, really frustrating, and um, I figure, like, if you want a picture, just go buy a poster. It's a whole lot easier, <laughs> but that's just me. It's n- so it's not much good either just taking verses of Scripture and sticking them on our mirror or on the toilet door while all the while ignoring the principle behind the Scripture or truth and then wonder why it's not coming to pass in our own lives. And it's just like taking a little piece of the puzzle and going like, that's not very interesting. But when you see the whole picture, it's like it starts to make sense. But we need to start applying these truths of Scripture to our lives. If we, It'd be pretty dumb to actually just read Scripture and go, God promises me an abundant life. Okay. Why isn't it happening for me? <laughs> it's because we actually need to... Um, Act on those things. In God's word, God himself actually takes this up a notch by saying in the book of Hosea, my people are destroyed by their lack of knowledge. It's Hosea 4.16. Does that mean we're literally crushed, destroyed, demolished? No, probably not, although it might. Rather, it means that we get to step into the life, we don't get to step, rather, into the life more abundant that God promises us, and that he desires for us to have. So here's my question for you this morning, and you can ask the person next to you this. How many of God's promises are true? Ask the person next to you. Anyone get any good answers? Two. (laughs) No, 
That's right. We know all of God's promises are true, right? All of his promises are true. Who believes that today? Great. It's good to hear. I like feedback. It's equally true that many, if not all of these promises and principles come with something that's actually required of us before we step into that promise, before we step into the freedom of that promise. It's like God saying, will you take my hand and trust me? Step into this with me and watch what I can do. We need to have faith, then God will. We need to trust in him, then God will. We need to wait on him, then God will. We need to step out, then God will. Now, I'm not saying God isn't sovereign or anything like that. God obviously can do what he wants, when he wants. But the truth of these promises that he has for us is that he desires relationship with us so much that he's wanting us to step into something, to start moving, to trust him, and then see him move and see those promises come to pass. Are you with me this morning? Is this making sense at all? Poke the person next to you and say, you need to get this. Now poke the person that you ignored on the other side and say, you need to get this. I thought it would be helpful, but let's take a look at an example. Philippians 4.13, for example, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how's that going to work, really? I mean, all things? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But wait, you might be saying, I'm not feeling that strong currently. Isaiah 40.31 says, so this is putting another piece of the puzzle in there. They that wait upon the Lord, they will, will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not feel faint. It's all very well, like I said, to read and even quote scripture. But if we don't understand it, and here's the real clincher, understand and apply it to our lives, then the pages of our Bible would actually be more useful as toilet paper. And they're pretty thin pages, so you probably need like at least three ply. <laughs> no, don't, don't get too offended, but my point is, it's true. You see, I could quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of you could probably actually quote it to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But that verse is so familiar, it could just go in one ear and out the other without actually meeting anything in the middle, without us even taking the time to ask, what is the actual truth of this for us? What is the key that the Father's giving us to unlock our lives, to see us step into greater levels of freedom. The key which brings this freedom from this passage is the very first word, trust. We need to trust him fully. It's easier said than done, hey. We need to trust him fully, not just when everything's going well in our lives, 
Although I don't know if you're like me, when everything's going well in life, often we can fall into the trap where we don't trust God because we go, hey, God, I don't really need you. I've got this. Thanks anyway. But how can we trust someone fully if we don't know them? This is what Jimmy was talking about when he was saying step out of worry and we need to know God in that intimate place. We really need to know God. So that's where waiting on him is key. And no, that's not a, okay, God, I'm waiting. I'm ready when you are kind of waiting. It's really getting to know him, getting to know him in that quite intimate place, getting to know and recognize his voice, getting to know his heart. And when we really know him intimately, then we will trust him. And then we will begin seeing him bring more and more blessing into our lives and adding to us as we seek him above all. So what might it cost us is the question. What might it cost us to live this way? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus challenges his followers with these words. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Wow, that's a pretty cool promise, isn't it? Pretty cool promise with Jesus' words. But wait a minute, what is this? Seek first his kingdom. What does that mean? I didn't actually tee this up with Al, but he's already been praying about it, and obviously the Holy Spirit's on this this morning. Um, we were praying about that we shouldn't be exalting things before God exalting things above him in our lives. Seek first his kingdom. What does it really mean? And actually for that matter, when we look at that verse, it says all these things will be added. What things? So like that's a good example of like such a familiar verse and we go like, oh yeah, you know that, but what does it really mean? We shouldn't just read scripture without understanding the principle, the promise and the truth of what we are reading, or we're sure to be disappointed. With the outcome is we don't see it coming true in our own lives. This can lead to false truths being formed in our hearts. False truths, you could also call them lies. We all know who the father of lies is. Lies such as, and you may have said these things to yourself, God's promises aren't true for today. Or God must love others more than me because it's not working for me. They're both lies, false truths. I want to share a story with you um, without giving away too much. Actually, it will give away a lot about my age. <laughs> when I was 40 years old, I wasn't very fit. I wasn't in a good place um, mentally or physically. And on my 40th birthday, I made a promise to myself, sort of like a New Year's resolution, although it was a bit early because my birthday is 20th of December, that I was going to be fitter when I was 50 than I was when I was 40. Um, I got to 45, 46 years of age and went, nothing's really changed, apart from the fact I was probably a bit more overweight than I had been, a bit more unfit. And... I was going, hmm, 
wait a minute, I made this promise to myself back here when I was 40. Now I'm 46. And so I went, I'm probably going to have to start doing something. (laughs) So, um, yeah, more so over this past year, I have actually made an effort in that and started applying some of the knowledge I had because I'd looked into it a lot, looked into how to get fitter. It's like, oh, go to the gym, start exercising, eat better, get a personal trainer, don't um, eat donuts every day. <laughs> don't 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 have a pie for lunch every day at work just because it's easy. <laughs> but anyway, so as I started applying those things, the, the truths to my life, and actually eating better, and actually doing a bit more exercise, and actually going to the gym and getting some advice around stuff. Um, and it's not about me, this is just an example, but over the last year I managed to lose 12 kgs by applying those truths. So, I mean, look at me now. <laughs> anyway, the point is we need to apply truth to our lives before we'll ever see any results. It's no good having knowledge without acting on it. No good having knowledge without acting on it and applying that knowledge so how do we step into this freedom? Step into freedom. The main point I want to share with you this morning is real simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And point two, actually there is no point two. Just one point today. So I hope you made the most of Jimmy's five points and five bonus points when he spoke. Just one point today. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if you're struggling with remembering today's points, well, yeah, just remember that. Seek first his kingdom, which is really what I want to speak into. Let's grab another piece of the puzzle as we look more at this. We look in scripture in Haggai chapter 1, God's people, it's probably not a book we read a lot, eh, Haggai? It's a great book, but we're not going to go through the story for the sake of time too much this morning. But God's people, the Israelites, had been released from captivity after Persia invaded and defeated Babylon. The small remnant of people came back to Jerusalem. They were instructed and even given provisions to rebuild the temple. But after starting the construction and then facing opposition, the work came to a stop. Now, I'm not talking about like an extended lunch break kind of stop or even a few days off because the weather wasn't so good. I'm talking 16 years. So for 16 years, the work came to a stop. But during these 16 years, the people went on living their lives. They pursued wealth, got married, built lavish homes. And then, everybody say, and then, God breaks through the silence by pointing out the obvious. In Haggai 1.9, he says, My house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Ouch. 
my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. You see, they weren't seeking first the kingdom of God. They weren't making him first priority in their day-to-day lives. They were too busy striving to make their own lives better, saving for a new iPhone or perhaps the latest 2020 model donkey with four leather saddles and air conditioning. They were too busy building their own kingdoms. Thankfully, that isn't something that happens so much today. Actually, if we're honest, particularly in the West, it's all too easy to get caught up. Caught up by the world's seducing ideology. That will be happy if we get more of this or more of that or a flasher car or a better-looking girlfriend or a better-looking boyfriend. <laughs> you know, it's just always about getting more, getting better, always striving for more. So Jesus sets these things straight by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what does this mean? It means that our salvation, our relationship with God should always be our first priority. And anything that threatens to come between us and God should not be an opportunity to consider, but an obstacle to avoid. Say that again. Anything that threatens to come between us and God should not be looked at as an opportunity to consider, but rather an obstacle to avoid. So the question is, are we going to be ready for what God wants to do in us and through us? To seek him first means that decisions that we make in the order of our priorities are in agreement with God's ways and his principles. When we live like this, the promise that God has and all these things will be added to you becomes his guarantee that he will actually supply all we need. That's not like some sort of heavenly Santa Claus. We go like, God, I want this and I need this and I need this and I want this. He will supply the things we truly need in the timing we truly need it. This may come as a shock to you today. But God isn't really that interested in just making our lives super comfortable. In fact, he's more interested in developing our character than our comfort. So at times when we may see our need as riches or advancement in our job, He may, in his wisdom, allow us to go through times of poverty or loss or solitude, things that will develop our character. That sort of flies in the face of things like prosperity teaching and stuff like that, which you can't really say is biblical if you look at many of the accounts of the followers of God through the Bible, like Job, Elijah, most of the disciples, all through the book of Acts. Um, so many Christians and people in there, their stories, they do go through times of loss. They do go through times of struggle, through death even. But it's always God working and restoring and bringing his plan and his promises about. But in these times, we may struggle and feel like he's distant from us. But the actual truth is he's longing for us to run to him, to 
find our comfort in him and our strength in him to have intimate fellowship with him. We need to remember we're not stronger than God. We can't provide ourselves with more security than God. And we can't outgive God. So here's a simple thing if you remember nothing else this morning. Put God first. Put God first. Trust his word. He will be your strength. He will provide your security. And he can be trusted to provide all that you really need. That kind of leads to another question when it says, seek first his kingdom. Where is his kingdom? And his righteousness. Because if we need to seek it, that means makes it sound like it's out here somewhere. Or maybe it's over there that we should go looking for it. Maybe it's down over here in this new way of thinking. Or maybe his kingdom's up there somewhere, but separate from us. Jesus himself actually included this statement when teaching the disciples how to pray. So he could say, this is another puzzle piece. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, so God's kingdom can be manifest right now, right here. Do we get that this morning? God's kingdom can be manifest right now, right here. A kingdom is what by definition? It's one, a country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen. Two, a realm associated with or regarded as being under the control of a particular person. So the two key words there are rule and control. So if we give God rule and control in our lives, we can then see the blessings of his kingdom flow into our lives as we live under his authority and as we live under his protection. But there's no point expecting that if we're not living under the authority of his kingdom. It'd be like us living in New Zealand and then suddenly wanting the authority of, I don't know what they are, they're the president of Afghanistan to be over our lives. It's like they go like, well, why? Like you're in New Zealand. And not that I'm sure why anyone would want to be under the rule of um, that kind of leadership. <laughs> but it's just as an example, it's like we need to be under the kingdom under God's kingdom, under his authority. The opposite's true, you see. We can't really expect any of the fruit or freedom of his kingdom to flow into our lives if we aren't striving after and putting ourselves under his reign and his rule. So if we're not doing that and then expecting the fruit and the freedom to flow in our lives, we're sadly misled. Now, in our own minds, we might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Surely we can chase after both the pleasures that this world offers and the things of God. Seems like the doable thing. 
out of Matthew 6.24, we're given another piece of the puzzle. Jesus warns against this. He says, no one, everyone say no one. Who do you think that includes? Everyone. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other, for you cannot serve both God and money. Or in the original versions, it says mammon, which means money, material, wealth, or anything that promises wealth or is associated with the greedy pursuit of gain. Is this saying that God wants us to be poor? Not at all, but it is saying that worldly riches and comfort should never be put above the things of God. It should never be a priority. As I mentioned earlier, then, if it comes between us and God, it should be avoided. That job promotion, for example, if it comes between us and God, shouldn't be considered an opportunity to be pursued, but rather an obstacle to be avoided. But anything that comes as an obstacle between us and God, we shouldn't really be chasing after that. We need to be so hungry for God that we will actually do anything to protect and nurture the relationship we have with him. When it comes to the things of his kingdom, we need to foster that, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes kind of attitude and make following him, him our number one priority. So are we going to be ready for what God wants to do in us and through us? Are we going to be ready? You know, what I'm sharing today is something God's put on my heart for a while, and I'm not sharing it to try and make anyone feel bad about where they're at in their Christian lives, because we're all on a journey, right? all in different places, all have different things that we struggle with, myself included. But God loves us unconditionally and unreservedly wherever we find ourselves at on that journey today. But if we truly want to step into the freedom that he has for us, that kind of freedom as it actually says on the wall out there, Love strong, shine bright, and live free. If we want to step into that, then we need to make God's kingdom number one priority in our lives. We can't just go making up some convenient form of Christianity that fits into our current schedule, saying, sorry God, that's actually all the spare time I have for you this week. We can't just make up a convenient form of Christianity. It might be acceptable to us, but we shouldn't ever fool ourselves that that's acceptable to God. You see, it's only as we give God rule and control in our lives that we will step into the freedom that he has for us. As we begin to see his blessings flow in our lives when we live under his kingship. As I said earlier, God needs us to be ready both individually and as a church. He needs us to be ready. He and desires us to be available, available to partner with him and his purposes here and now. There are things, you might not believe this, but there are things that God is wanting to do through your life. 
not the person next to you. There is things that God is wanting to do through your life. There's things that God is wanting to do through this church. Question is, are we ready for it? The truth is, I share with you today that I share with you today is vital. It's not just vital for us to get, but it's actually vital for those people out there who don't know him yet. See, God wants to reach and influence other people through your life. You see, how will people be attracted to God if they see no freedom in your life? If they see no fruit in your life? If they say, I hear your words, but I don't see that you've applied it to your life. I don't see it transforming your life. You don't seem to be living a free life. You don't seem to be living an abundant life. So how will people be attracted to God if they don't see that freedom? Sometimes God will call us to give things up, to sacrifice stuff, so he can give us something far greater. In Matthew chapter 13, we read of two kingdoms. Two parables, rather, about people giving up things to gain his kingdom. One is talking about a pearl of great price. One is talking about a treasure that was hidden in a field. And in both cases, the people went and sold, gave up everything that they had to gain that treasure. The man who found the treasure in a field, he reburied it, went and sold everything that he had so he could buy that field and have that treasure. Do we actually realize, though, what God is offering us? He is offering us all the treasure of his kingdom. He is offering us freedom. He is offering us an abundant and fulfilling life. He is offering far more than the world and all its temporary pleasures can offer. What he offers us is not just for this life, but for eternity. That's what I loved about Storm Camp. And you might have heard the youth yell it on the video we watched earlier. The theme was, this is forever. It's not just for now. What we're doing isn't just for now. This is forever. We can just put on that backing track, Wes. That'd be great, thanks. A few weeks ago, as I said, Ruth and I took the youth down to storm camp, and it was such an awesome time. For me, the highlight, though, was the worship times and seeing people's lives touched and transformed as they began to understand their identity and step into freedom. One of those worship times actually impacted me so much, I had to leave the main auditorium because I was just like a bit of a bawling mess. (laughs) And went into an upstairs lounge and just spent time in that intimate place with God. And there was a great song used, which really touched me, and it's called Here Again. We'll have that on the screen shortly. We'll sing it together. But in the chorus, it has these great words. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want, all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? You know, that needs to be our heart's cry, that all we want is all he is and all he has for us. Not chasing after other things, not chasing after other things to try and fulfill our lives because it might bring momentary pleasure, but it won't fulfill our lives. You know, the Lord is in this place. And he is longing to meet you this morning. 
Do you want to stay, say yes and step into freedom? You know, there's an opportunity right now to say yes to God. Maybe this is the first time you've realized this today, that you actually get to choose if you want to lay down your life for God. So that might be as a first-time commitment by asking Jesus into your heart, and if that's you, that's awesome. We'd love to pray with you later. Or it may be that the Holy Spirit has revealed some things to you this morning, things that you need to set right before your Heavenly Father, things that you need to set aside in your life so that you could seek Him first, things that have been exalted above Him, things that have become obstacles. They may not even be bad things, but they've been a distraction. A distraction. A distraction from your relationship with God. Or it may be that you just want to be vulnerably honest with yourself and God today. And say, you know what? I've just been playing the game. I haven't really been chasing after God. I've been distracted by the things of this world. I've just been so busy building my own kingdom. And I'm tired of it. I want to really know this freedom that you've spoken about this morning. I'm finishing up here and there's an opportunity for each one of us to really set things right with God. An opportunity for you to step into that freedom that he offers to us. Thanks for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Or check out our website, aspirechurch.org.nz. We'd love to see you on Sundays, 10am, 101 Hardy Street.